Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I actually want to begin by talking about the first reading, which is from the book of Ecclesiastes, and then proceeding into the gospel reading. But I want to tell you something about the book of Ecclesiastes first. The book of Ecclesiastes is in a section of the Old Testament called the wisdom literature. And I'm going to give you a little Bible lesson here. The Old Testament is sectioned off by biblical scholars into sections. You've got the first five books, known as the Pentateuch, or the Torah, the Law, or the Books of Moses. And then after that, you have the history books. You've got Joshua, and you've got Judges, and you've got First and Second Samuel, and you've got First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and Ezra and Nehemiah. Then you get into the wisdom literature, which is in between the history and the prophets. And you have books like Proverbs and Psalms. And in that, it contains great wisdom in order to teach us about what God desires for us, the practical living of a life of faith. And the book of Ecclesiastes is not one of the more well-known ones. When you think of wisdom, you might think of Proverbs. You might think of the Psalms, but typically you don't think of the book of Ecclesiastes outside of maybe a couple of passages in the book of Ecclesiastes. Because whether you know it or not, you're actually familiar with one or two passages from the book of Ecclesiastes. One of those passages is actually made famous by a group called the birds. Did you know that? Let me read it to you. It goes, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. I could sing it for you, but I won't. Uh, I could sing it. Okay, go ahead. To everything, there is a Thank you very much. That was good. Yeah, you guys could do that on the road. Why don't you? <laughs> but I mean, you recognize that. That's from the book of Ecclesiastes. And I'll bet some of you didn't even know that's where it came from. There's another passage that I absolutely love from the book of Ecclesiastes. It's from the very next chapter, from that chapter, chapter 3. This is chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. But woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. 
a threefold cord is not quickly broken. A wonderful passage that really in many ways talks about fellowship, but even more can talk about marriage. And a threefold cord talking about the husband, the wife, and the Lord. And Jesus actually talks about the blind leading the blind and how one with sight can help lead one without sight. So it gives this idea of how wisdom operates. And so Ecclesiastes, written by traditionally Solomon, and how it drew on his wisdom. But what a lot of people also even don't understand with Solomon is he actually wrote this toward the latter part of his life after initially, when he became king, following on the heels of King David, this incredible king, that most people think of when they think of the people of Israel, and Jesus being the son of David, then you have Solomon come along. And the Lord says to Solomon in a dream, what would you like? What can I give you, basically, to to elevate you as king? And Solomon says, I want wisdom. So the Lord gives him wisdom, and on top of that, because he asked for wisdom, he was given wealth and he was given fame. But over time, he lost sight of the place of wisdom in his life, and he drifted because of the wealth and the fame. This pursuit of pleasure, this pursuit of things overtook his life. And he even talks about that in the book of Ecclesiastes. How he ended up pursuing the wrong stuff. In fact, if you know of Solomon, for example, he ended up having 700 wives. How unwise is that? And 300 concubines on top of that. You want to talk about distracted. And then he had to build all these houses and palaces. And then he had to have all these slaves. And he talked about in this passage not being able to sleep at night. No kidding. And he lost sight of the Lord. And he lost sight of true wisdom. And he began to take stock of his life as he looked back over what had happened. And he said, it's all vanity. It all became about me. It all became about my pride. It all became about pleasure. And I lost sight of it. And what's it all about? You know, it's almost like What we called, when I was a kid, we called it the American dream. You can become anything you want to become. You can become president. So much for that. But you can become anything you want and do anything. He had, if you will, the Israelite dream. He had it all. And he realized it was empty. Because he lost sight of the Lord. He lost sight of true wisdom. And later on in the book of Ecclesiastes, he would say, 
I need to get back to the fear of the Lord. Because if you look in Proverbs and you look at Psalms, you will read the line, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That once you have the Lord setting your priorities and setting your focus, and you begin to live for Him, and He's the focus of your life, practically speaking, you will learn this wisdom. But he paused to ask the question, is this it? Fast forward. Jesus dealt with a lot of questions in his ministry. Over the past few weeks, some of the questions that we talked about. And what is the greatest commandment? And who is my neighbor? And now this man comes up to Jesus says, I have a question about my brother and how he split the inheritance with me. It just doesn't seem, oh, one of our favorite lines, fair. And part of the reason was there was a lot of differences of opinion in terms of how inheritance was supposed to be split during that day. One of the reporting in Scripture, as to inheritance, was the prodigal son story. The prodigal son asked for his inheritance before the father died, which was a huge affront back then. Probably even today it would be an affront. But there were different percentages given, and sometimes there was a discrepancy depending upon how many children there were. But this son obviously wasn't happy with his. Some of the most ugly family disputes I've seen in my ministry is when children dispute wills and inheritance. You want to talk about ugly family scenes? There you go. Fortunately, Meredith and I have not had to deal with that with our families. We've been really blessed. First of all, our parents, both sets, didn't have a ton, which is a blessing. But secondly, our siblings really were great. Meredith was the executrix of her estate. And no one went after her. It was wonderful. Probably because she's so sweet and honest, which helps a lot. I was not the executor of my parents' will, which probably helped a lot. But that can get ugly. But notice what Jesus says. He deflects the question. He said, that's not the most important question here. That's not the most important focus here. He says, why would you make me judge over that? He begins to get the man to look into his heart. Jesus always wants people to focus on the heart of the matter. And Jesus always wants to do more than that. He wants you to look at your heart. What's going on there and why? And so Jesus says, and it might have surprised some of the people, greed. A person's life does not consist 
of the abundance of your possessions. Greed. Now that's maybe not what this man was expected, or maybe even the crowds. And what do we typically think of when we hear the word greed, by the way? You know what we typically think of? Someone sitting there going, (laughs) you know, like Scrooge, right? A miser, someone who's really wicked. You know, the reality is, you can be a really sweet, nice person. And be greedy. Because you always think about yourself first. You always want to be successful. You always want to look good in other people's eyes. See, that was the problem with the Pharisees and Sadducees. It wasn't that all the Pharisees and Sadducees were bad people, wicked people, judgmental people. Some of them were. But they weren't necessarily generous and compassionate people either. In fact, Nicodemus, who seemed to be a pretty good guy, when he came to Jesus, Jesus said, you don't even understand the most basic thing about the kingdom of heaven. And if you don't get the most basic thing right, that you need to have a heart transformed first and foremost, you'll never understand the rest. You'll never understand that it begins with the grace and the mercy of God. That it's not about you and your success first and foremost. It's about God's grace and mercy first and foremost. Understanding that He's given to you. That He's blessed you. And about your response. That's really what it's about. Take another person's example. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus the tax collector. This short little guy. Very successful. But he knew something was missing. So he pursued Jesus. And once Jesus came to his home... And he heard about the kingdom of heaven. He said, I've been defrauding people. I'm going to not only give it back, but I'm going to bless them on top of that because I've been wrong. When the kingdom of God breaks in, you want to do something about it. There's a generosity of spirit that breaks into your life. It doesn't mean that you give it all away necessarily. That's not the point. That is not the point. Don't hear me say that. But it means there's a transformation that happens. That it's not all about you. That it's not all about your success. That you're not seeking your pleasure first. So Jesus goes on to tell this parable about this guy who's really successful. And by the way, my sense is The way Jesus talks about this guy is this guy is Mr. Fun. Right? What does this guy do? Builds bigger bars and says, eat, drink, be merry. Yeah, baby! It's 
party time. Once again, it's all about him. Disclaimer here. God is not a killjoy. God wants you to enjoy the life he's blessed you with. You know, if you read the scriptures and you really understand the scriptures, God introduced these various feasts and festivals throughout. For example, Jesus would go to the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. Jesus would go to Passover. And at these feasts, they would celebrate throughout the week. Because it was a week long, and they would drink wine, and they would have these dinners, and they would celebrate throughout the week. But they kept at the center of it all the Lord and His Word and His will. They had balance, and we missed that. Tuesday night this past week, we had a vestry meeting, which is like our board, if you don't know what a vestry is. And... Right now we're studying the book of Nehemiah and the leadership principles that come out of the book of Nehemiah. And we were talking about Nehemiah 8. They just completed the wall and they got together for this big celebration. You know how the celebration began? With a half day of reading the Bible and studying the Bible. I know all of you would get so excited about that. And then at the end of it, what you read is a lot of people were weeping because they were cut to the heart. They were repentant. And Ezra the priest gets up in the middle of it and he says, wait a second. This is a time for celebration. This is a time for celebration. It's the time for the Feast of Booths. Let's have a party. Let's celebrate. What the Lord has done in our midst. He's a great God. He's done a great thing. Let's enjoy what he's blessed us with. Jesus went to the parties. He went to the festivals. Jesus went on vacation. But when he was at these places, he also did ministry. There was balance. He was always available to whatever the Father brought before him. The Good Samaritan, he was on a business trip. He was available. He was inconvenienced and it got messy. He was available. Are we available? Or is it always about us and always about party time and always about good times and we don't want to be inconvenienced? Is it always about well, we really want to have fun, and if there's nothing else to do, maybe we'll go to church. Maybe, maybe we'll do something as a volunteer. See, we lose sight that it really should be, Lord, what do you want me to do? Balance. And that's why when we come to the end of this passage, what Jesus says, in effect, is life is uncertain. You don't know when the end's coming. You just don't. 
And you want to make sure your treasure is properly placed. It's not about this world. It's about treasure in heaven. You know, I'm in the, I'm in the practice of reading obituaries every day. Because early in my ministry here, I was not in that practice, and I missed the fact that someone in our congregation lost a family member, and I didn't catch it. And so I read the obituaries every day now. And one of the things that I sometimes am just taken aback by is you sometimes see infants, children, teenagers, 20s, 30s, and you'll sometimes see people in their 90s and even 100. And the wide range and just the uncertainty of life going to be doing a service this afternoon, a small family service, a funeral. Woman's 94. Absolutely adore this woman. Known her the whole time I've been here. Such a love. I don't anticipate reach, reaching 94 myself. But it's amazing to me. 94. But the question is, no matter what age, are you always ready? As Jesus would say, alert. Or are you sometimes saying, you know, not at this stage in my life, Lord, maybe another stage. You know, people always have that tendency, maybe another stage. Maybe when I have more time. Maybe when it's more convenient. Maybe when I become an empty nester. And then that doesn't happen. Maybe when I get retired, and then that doesn't happen. When's it going to happen? See, it's always a, really a matter of priorities and balance throughout your life. That the Lord is at the center. The first question you ask is, Lord, what do you want me to do with my time, with my talent, with my treasure? What the Lord can do with an open heart, an available life, a compassionate heart. What the Lord can do with someone who really seeks Him and worships Him. Not even just Sunday. Daily worships Him and says, Lord, fill me with Your Spirit. What do You want me to do? What the Lord can do with someone who truly loves Him. Loves Him. Because that's the first commandment. You know, when I first became a Christian, a really committed Christian, I was 15, when I really understood Jesus as my Savior and Lord. You know, 15, I still wasn't driving, but I started immediately asking, what, what can I be doing? I mean, I just understood that that was a part of my life. So at 16, I started playing guitar for a folk mass. And I was actually what was called a lector. It's really a lay reader. And you need to understand, I had hair down to my shoulder blades. I wonder what the people in church thought, but they were really good with me. You know, they were really good with me. They were just, I think they were just glad I was there and I was participating. But I thought that's what you're supposed to do. And, and I went to a Bible study and I used to recruit kids to go to the Young Life Club that I went to. I mean, I was active and involved. By the time I was 18, I was a, youth, I was a, I was a, a volunteer youth minister. With Young Life. But I was not going to be a full-time minister. 
I was enrolled in engineering. And I figured if that didn't work out, by the way, I had a secret in my heart. I really did. I wanted to be a lawyer. In fact, more than a lawyer, I wanted to be Perry Mason. (laughs) To this day, you can ask Meredith, on my day off on Thursdays, 9 o'clock in the morning, I watch Perry Mason. There's two reasons. One, he always seeks the truth. Two, he's always right. (laughs) I like always being right. Just ask Meredith. But slowly, the Lord more and more put it on my heart. I have more for you. Look what ended up happening. But you know the reality is? Zacchaeus never became clergy. The good Samaritan never became clergy. That's not everyone's call. If that's what you're afraid of. The Lord may call you into the mission field for a short-term mission. We have some of our returning team from Tanzania. I want you all to stand because I see some of you here. Come on. Don't be shy. Stand up. Yeah, they're back. It's great to have you here this morning. Safe and sound, especially Teresa with everything she went through. Yeah, it's good to have you here. He may not call you to that. But he's calling you to something. And frankly, I don't care if you're retired. Moses was called into ministry at the age of 80. And he served till he was 120. You don't have an excuse. I don't know anybody here that's 120. God's not just after your resources. He's after your time, your talent, your treasure. He's after your heart. Because the scripture says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He wants you to ask the question first. Lord, what do you want me to do with what you've given to me? With my resources, with my time. With all that I am. That's what he wants. Because he gave his son on a cross for you to show you what giving really is all about. So you would understand the depth of his love and what giving is about. Let's pray. Our readings contrast foolishness and wisdom. And the fool is the one who lives for the world and what is perishing. And the wise are the ones who live for the Lord. There's a song that says, I've decided to follow Jesus. 
with the cross before me and the world behind me. And so many today live with the world and for the world before them. Lord God, I pray right now that you would place the cross before us to see the depth of your love, to see what Jesus gave so that we might understand true giving of ourselves, of all that we are, so that we might understand where the true treasure is and what it's about. Lord, that that we would understand what it means that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Lord, I pray as we ponder the question, what is life really about? Is life really vanity and chasing after the wind? Is it all about pleasure and things? Or do you have something else in store for us, something greater, something eternal? Show us this day. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and transform our hearts and lives that we might be available to you and used by you for the sake of those around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.